good morning. We are off to a good start. Wasn't that worship time sweet? Thank you, worship team. That was, that was wonderful. Well, summer just really feels like it's here. You know, many days, the sun's mostly shining. The temperatures are great. We're warming up to the 4th of July this week. So I just love the summer times in the Pacific Northwest and here in our community. And it's great to be with you. So today, uh, my wife, Patty, and I were team teaching. So I am the warm-up band, and we are saving the best for last. So uh, you can get ready for that. Yes, yes, there's going to be great applause and a standing ovation and an encore after she preaches here this morning. So uh, anyway, it's good to be with you. We're going to spend a few minutes uh, in the scriptures, and so if you, if you have Bibles and you want to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, that's where we're going to be. Um, we're going to be focusing on the first six verses of 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. I am just uh, one grateful puppy that I get to follow Jesus. Um, like you, I was at one time an enemy of Jesus. I was separated from God, and somehow his mercy came after me. It was persistent, came after me again and again and again and again until I gave up. And I'm so glad that he was persistent with me. And we have an opportunity in this season of time. We always have this opportunity, but we are in a unique season of time where we can persist in prayer on behalf of of other people to come to know Christ. And that's what we're going to focus our attention on here this morning. And so I'm going to go ahead and read from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6a. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Let's pray together. Lord, we delight that we get to be your children, that your mercy is in us and has found us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to take your words and transform our lives. Holy Spirit, minister to us today that we can know you more and make you known. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to make a couple observations about the exchange between the Apostle Paul and Timothy. So these words are coming from the Apostle Paul to his disciple, Timothy. Now Timothy had traveled with Paul in at least three missionary journeys. And Timothy, traveling with Paul, together, God used them to establish churches in different cultures, with different languages, in the center of the known world at that time. So Timothy was a veteran 
He had labored with Paul in that context. This letter is being written by Paul to Timothy, and now Timothy has been left to be in charge of the Ephesians church. Now, we don't have a movie, and we really don't have an accurate picture of what church was like in the first century. But here is Timothy left behind, or left on purpose by Paul to oversee this church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a city of over 300,000 people. It was the gateway to Asia. The city of Ephesus held the temple of the great goddess Diana. Now, in Acts 18, 19, and 20, we have the story of how the church in Ephesus was born and some of what took place when Paul went there and established the church. Some of those things include a great disturbance, a riot, because all of these artisans and these people attached to the the temple worship of Diana rose against the believers. There was great lecture that went on amongst the Jews that Paul engaged in. The scripture in Acts also tells us that God performed through Paul, or Paul performed unique, extraordinary miracles through Paul, that handkerchiefs and aprons he touched and they went to certain places and people got delivered to demons and people were healed that all happened in Ephesus so by this time this is in Paul's third missionary journey and he leaves Timothy behind so for sure the church is thousands of people in a city of 300,000 people now church was not like it is now there weren't these nice buildings in Christ Center and Willamette Christian Center and First Baptist, it wasn't like that. I don't know what it was like, but it was wild. All these things, the miraculous had happened. Healings had happened. Deliverance had happened. And now there's this new truth that had come right against this idol of Diana. And so it was a wild time, and here's this young guy, Timothy, and now he's in charge of it. So these are the words that are coming from the apostle to his protege who's overseeing this wild and crazy church in this amazing city, okay? So whatever you think of church, it's completely different in this context back in the day. And so Paul, in encouraging Timothy, he urges him in verse one. He's urging him to set a priority. I urge then, first of all, I'm giving you a priority, Timothy, in this wild church that you oversee. And here's the priority I'm urging you with. I want you, first of all, to pray in all kinds of ways. Petitions, requests, prayers, intercessions for all people. That's what I want you to do as a priority. I want you to stand in the gap for all people. Now, I love the gospel. Because the gospel is for all people. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That you and I have a shared future in heaven with every tribe, language, people, and nation. We have the shared future with all nations worshiping Jesus. I just want to use this opportunity because it's true. There is no place in the kingdom of Jesus Christ for racism. If there's an inkling of prejudice in our hearts We pray today that the Holy Spirit would light us up, 
that we can identify it as sin and bring it to God, ask him to cleanse us of that sin and transform our lives. Because we get to worship with every tribe, people, and language. That is our shared future, and that is our commission right now to make disciples of all nations. And so Jesus, through the Paul, to Timothy, who's overseeing this wild church, I urge then as a priority, pray for all people. And we get to continue in that today. And certainly, we're in a season with our partnership together as churches, in alignment with how God is uniting our hearts together with the Palau Association in the season of evangelism. Let's go ahead and go to verse 2. He wants us to pray for all people, and he wants us to pray for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So not only does the Lord want us to pray for all people, but he wants us also specifically to pray for those in authority, because it's very important for us to pray for those in authority, to pray for our mayors, to pray for our governors, to pray for our presidents, even to pray for authority structures that, are, that directly affect us, to pray for school district superintendents, to pray for the chief of police. And so God wants us to pray for all people, and he wants us to pray for those who are in authority. Now somehow, we get to reap the benefits of our prayers for those in authority, for kings, and for those in authority. When we pray for them, wisdom of God, the hand of God rests upon them, and they're enabled to make wise and healthy decisions. That apart from our prayers, they're not going to have the grace to do that. That's one of the reasons why it's important for us to pray for them. Another thing that the scripture here clearly states is somehow it affects us, that it enables us when we pray for them, not only an answer to prayer in their lives, but when we pray for them, it enables us also to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now right now, Christ Center is in the, in the midst of a series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this is where the fruit of the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives in the community, okay? So as we're praying for those in authority and we're being affected even by those prayers, we grow in our ability to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit out in the community. So us in mass, if you will, walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, our prayers affecting those in authority and then affecting the community, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is more evident in the community. Now, in the last three years, we have wonderfully been able to partner in prayer together through One Church One Day. And we're praying into 10 sectors. One of the sectors is we're praying for government. And directly, a direct quote from the city manager of Eugene in answer to prayer, after we've been praying for several months, he said, one of the ways I can tell God is answering prayer is there's more fruit of the Holy Spirit in the public square. That's a direct testimony. So we're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not just in our lives personally, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit affecting a whole sphere of our community or even the fruit of the Spirit affecting our whole community. Now, there have been many other answers to prayer where we've prayed for those in authority and God's answered. One of the most strategic ways that the Lord has used us in prayer for those in authority is we have prayed together in advance of someone coming into authority. What do I mean by that? Well, 
for months before the new University of Oregon president was selected, 40-plus churches were praying 24-7 that God would direct the process and selection of the next president of the University of Oregon. And that person was selected. We were not praying for a Christian person. We were praying for God to oversee the process and selection of that person. And then we prayed in a similar way for several other people in that context. We prayed for the new superintendent, superintendent of 4J. Currently, we're praying for the new superintendent of the Springfield School District. We're praying for those in authority. We're praying that God would put the right people in authority. For nine months, we prayed together that God would oversee the process and selection of the next chief of police for the city of Eugene. And some of you heard that testimony and how God moved behind the scenes and brought great unity and agreement from the different quadrants of the people of Eugene so that it was really easy for the city manager to make a decision. He didn't have to use any wisdom because there was unity throughout the community that this one person should be the new chief of police in the city of Eugene. Do you think that, you think the city manager appreciates that? Do you think that's good for the new chief of police? You think coming into that kind of environment is healthy for the shalom and peace of our community? It absolutely is. And once after that police, uh, new chief of police was selected, we discovered that he is a Bible-believing, Jesus-following, disciple-making brother. Okay, so we're talking, hallelujah, but we're talking about praying for those in authority. And this specific example of praying in advance of those who are in authority. I want to tell you a specific story that happened in 2005. Back in the day, uh, from Willamette Christian Center where we used to be, we were sent and we would do prayer journeys to Washington, D.C. We would partner with a, a national prayer center. And they had a wonderful house. It was actually uh, General George McClellan's old house from the Civil War. It was two blocks away from the Capitol building. We would go. We'd have times of worship and intercession. Different uh, senators and congressmen and other leaders would come, and we would pray over them. We would pray with them. The time we were there in 2005, our nation was engaged in a battle. And there was this battle in Washington, D.C., as President George Bush put forth a nominee to be a Supreme Court Justice. It was Justice Roberts. And President Bush put his name forth. And there was great war and debate in Washington, D.C. There was a a threat to shut down the government. It was called the nuclear option because it was so contested. They didn't want, the liberals didn't want, I don't want to get political here, but it was a very, very contested time. And while we were there, we happened to be Um, there at the prayer center and the person who was ahead of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Orrin Hatch, he was the one leading the charge and his right-hand man who was at the tip of the spear leading the charge for him, the senator, came and met with us there at the prayer center, shared with us some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes so that we could pray specifically for those in authority and those who are about to be in authority. So we had times of worship. We had times of prayer. The Lord spoke to us through scripture. We would pray that God would release a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and the battle would be turned back at the gate. That's in Isaiah 26. It's one of the ways that we prayed. Not only did we get to pray there in the prayer center, but because of our relationship there, he was able to get us into the Senate Judiciary Room at night. 
And we went in there at night and we worshiped Jesus and we prayed and we contended for those in authority that God would be in that process and Justice Roberts was appointed to be the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court back in 2005. And now here, even in this week, we found, we found out that Sen uh, Senator, Sub uh, Supreme Court Justice Kennedy is retiring. And now there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a battle for that position. And so our prayers matter for our nation to contend for that, that God would be in the middle of it and that God would oversee the process and selection of the next Supreme Court justice. It's very important for us to be praying nationally. It's very important for us to be praying locally for those in authority because the scripture urges it as a priority. Okay, so can we do that? Let's just pray right now. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, in our community, here in Junction City, in Eugene and in Springfield, Father, in Harrisburg and, and Marcola and Camp Creek and No Tie and Crestwell, Lord, we pray for the governmental authorities, city council members, mayors, county commissioners, God, with the wisdom and blessing of God come upon them, that they would lead according to your leadership, according to the influence of heaven happening on earth, and Lord, we pray that you would oversee in our nation, you would oversee the process and selection of the next Supreme Court justice. In the name of Jesus, would you speak light? Would you speak that person's name? Would you give those who are, who are leading that process wisdom and grace from heaven? We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's important for us to pray for those who are in authority and it affects our lives. Let's go to verse 3. As we pray in this way, it's good to pray this way, and it pleases God our Savior. There are so many things, just think of how many things happen around the world in a day that grieve the heart of God, that grieve his heart. But here's at least one thing among many that pleases the heart of God. And we're all called to be lovers of God, to actually love God. And one way you love somebody is you do what pleases them. And praying for others and standing in the gap is one way that we can make God happy. This isn't a have to. Being urged to pray is a priority. It's a get to, that we get to come before the Lord of all creation, call on his name on behalf of other people. It makes him happy and it is good. Verse four. God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Our Savior God desires, he wants to, our Savior God desires to save all people. And he invites us to pray what he wants. He wants it, so let's pray what he wants. He wants all people to be saved. To be sozo is the word there, and we don't have time this morning because again, We've got Patty coming, and she's going she's gonna to bring it. He wants all men, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then Paul concludes, I'm going to invite Patty up now, and Paul concludes by just restating the gospel. He says in verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Paul just can't contain it. 
because God wants all, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of, of the truth? Here's the knowledge of the truth. There's one God, not many, and there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for all people. Again, all people is who Jesus died for. So I'm going to invite Patty. Patty, why don't you come? So we've just uh, checked. There we go. Thank you. So we've just been talking about this priority, this priority that this young pastor apostle gets, Timothy. Here's the priority of the church. Pray first. And um, I want to take a minute, and we're going to look at an Old Testament moment when the Jews were not aligned with God's priority And just use and glean a couple of things from that as well. All right, so I'm going to go to Haggai. We're going to be in Haggai 1 for just a moment. Just the background really quick. I just want to bring us into that story. The Jews had been in Babylon. They'd been overtaken. And so they were exiled. Um, But then Cyrus comes, takes over Babylon, and says, you can go back. Go back and build. Do it. Put the temple up, and you can go back to Jerusalem. So they go. And we read in Ezra. They begin to rebuild the temple. The place is in, in shambles. But they build the temple. They begin, and they lay the foundation in two years. And there's great celebration. Then there's a little bit of resistance from the neighbors around them. They don't want them to get too strong. And so they kind of shrink back. At first, they shrink back because of some of the opposition. But ultimately, what happens is the priority the Lord's priority is no longer theirs. So they start doing legitimate things. They start building their houses. They start farming the land. They start their businesses back up and all things that needed to happen, right? Because we're rebuilding the city that we have been exiled from. But in that, there was just this dissipation and this movement from God's priorities to now our priorities. And this is when the Lord raised up Haggai to come and speak to the Jews and and cause them to come back to his priorities. So I'm going to read Haggai 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty said. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And he said, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Second time, give careful thought to your ways. So go up to the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. You expected much, but see it turned out little. And what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord, because my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. So the Jews were busy. They were active, but they were not fruitful. 
They were active and even with legitimate things, but there was not the fruit and there was not the satisfaction. There were even things that they just expected there would be something more they expected, but it, it just didn't really pan out. So there was a level of futility even in what they were doing and even in the wages they earned, it just never seemed like it was enough. So there was, a, there was a measure of futility, and God very clearly, and this translates to us today, it's so good for me to stop and consider my ways, because he said, here's why. I really do want you to be fruitful and fulfilled and full of purpose and hungry, and not hungry, but fed and satisfied in all of these things. And here's why you are not, because your house, your priorities, your kingdom, your life is ahead of mine. Just a line come back. And I'm just saying that because here's what, here's what Paul was saying to Timothy, a first thing, a first importance. Here's a priority, pray. And I think it's always good in our lives to just go, is my life aligned with the priorities of God? To pray for all men that they would be saved. To pray for the community I live in. To pray, yes, of course we're going to talk to God about our lives. But his priority is that we would pray. And here he's talking to the Jews. Now, the good news is he's telling them this because he's about ready to give them the spirit to stir them up and help them do what he wants them to do. Isn't it good? He always does that. He always does it. Whenever, if we'll just align with what he asks, we always have divine enablement. That's grace. I'll empower you to do it. So we see here the priority of God's heart. Now, I want to just say this. This is not a direct, written, verbal correlation to prayer, but I want us to see this. What did Isaiah say the house of God was? There it is. It's a house of prayer. It is the house of prayer. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, to pray for the nations to come in and a place for all the nations to come and pray. It's both. And now we are that house. First Peter says, we, the living stones, are being built into a house that contains his dwelling, the Holy Spirit. I'm the house of prayer. I'm the house of prayer. You're the house of prayer. And you guys, to the degree that we engage this priority, it just kind of comes back to that seeking first the kingdom, is really to the degree that those fruitful things God has promised, the blessing on our house, the kind of all the things we're concerned about as our kingdom. He's, he's got them. Just seek first. Seek first his priorities, and those things will be added. I know there's people in this room that can say, yep, I can testify to that. Can you not? Can we not? We can. We can. About the time I quit thinking about where I was going to live, God, like, lands us in a place that, we, that our hands never would provide. Not, one, not ever. Not ever. So all of those things. Now, I do want to draw attention to one other thing here. Um, God begins this prophetic word through Isaiah or through Haggai by saying this. These people say the time has not yet come. And we find in the New Testament that Jesus often echoes, whenever, whenever God's getting ready to kind of help us repent or change our mind, he's saying, you know, you say this and you see this, but here's what I say. I want you to see what I see. And so God is uh, speaking to them. Now, here's what you say. Because they've gotten aligned with just their own priorities, they're kind of like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. I'm not really feeling 
to rebuild the house. We're busy over here now. And God's saying, no, it is time. Jesus used this phrase very similarly with the Samaritan woman. He had met her at the well. You guys know this story. She should have been a distant enemy to the, to the Jews. She comes into the kingdom. She is amazed at his love. She goes back. She tells everybody. They come and they get saved. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he said, Now, you are saying four more months and the harvest is ripe. But I tell you, lift up your eyes. It's ripe right now. And that's what Jesus is saying to you and me all the time. Yes, we're doing City Fest, you guys. Yes, and we are in a unique season, and I'll talk about that. But here's the truth of that word. Jesus is saying this to us. There's a harvest around us all the time. Somewhere there is a ripe harvest. And so I, when I was starting to work, I would just be thinking, okay, there's somebody around me that's really actually ripe for, ripe for harvest. So, Lord, open my eyes. See, when we're not aligned with God's purposes, we don't see it. We don't see it. What we do see is, I'm kind of tired. I don't have the energy. And it's just not that. It's not about us. He's saying, lift up. Align with me. When you're in the place of prayer, when you come and you're looking and you're listening to me, you're going to see that harvest is ripe. And we are in that season. I felt really strongly when we were praying together about this day that the Lord was saying, um, see the season. See the season. Wants us to see the season that we're in. And, and that's for us as a region of believers here. And I'm going to journey really quickly. But you know, in the last 10 years, there has been such good togetherness of us as, as, as many churches, many congregations, leaders loving each other, praying for each other, praying for our cities, praying for our community every month, loving being in each other's homes. Then we as the body of, of, of all of us coming together a couple of times a year and, and just saying, Lord, we're standing before you. We're standing before you. We're looking at you. Lord, of, head of the church, we're looking at you to align us with your purposes. And then we've come together, like even Project Hope. Many churches, we're doing acts of kindness and justice that the Lord's leading us to. Care for, care for children. Care for children at risk. Engage in your community. And then in the last three years, we've been praying one church one day. There is a canopy of 24-hour prayer over this region for three years from 42 churches. Listen, the ground is irrigated. The ground is watered for salvation to spring up. See the season that we're in. God wants us to see it. And not only in our region, but I believe in the state and I believe in the nation. Today is the day of salvation. What's up for grabs is will we see it? Will we be aligned with this purpose? So I want to encourage you. See the season that we're in and how God wants to engage your heart in the place of prayer as first priority. So we're going to take a few minutes to actually do this, these verses right now. So it is a season where God is calling us to pray for God's desire for people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
It is a season where we can pray for people to be saved and follow Christ. It is a season that comes in the context of, hey, we've been working together for a time and we're focused. City Fest is helping us. It's only temporary, this season of partnership with the Palau's, but the gospel is eternal. And we are charged to always be in that season. But we're in a unique time right now where churches are praying for people to come to Christ and we're laboring together to share the gospel in a more deliberate way together. So we're going to take a few minutes right now, just a couple minutes. I want to invite Carlton or one of the musicians to come up just to play. And I want you to get with one other person and I want you to vocalize in prayer with one other person. Get together and pray out loud. Vocalize one person's name who doesn't know Jesus yet. That you would agree with God's desire for that person to be saved. And you would ask God, I pray for my cousin Jack to come to know Christ. Just that simple. We're going to do these verses right now because it's a season to pray and it's a season of salvation. So get in groups of two and let's just pray. Vocalize each of you. Pray for at least one person.